Please leave me a rating and a review. Please leave me a rating and a review. Please leave me a rating. Okay, um, I'm sorry for that dumb joke, but it is true. I need ratings and reviews on iTunes to get this podcast um, up in the search engines. So if you can take a moment to do that, that would be incredibly helpful. They're very nice people that come on the show and give me their time, and I want to spread their story. Um, I know it sounds cliche or whatever, but that's the reason I do this. So... Yeah, on iTunes, leave a rating and a review, please. Thank you. Um, and then, you know, a lot of people hate on the Chili Peppers these days. And, you know, it's because their music hasn't been good in so long. <laughs> <laughs> but there was a time when they were cool, and that was the time, 1995. Welcome to your eulogy. Uh, today's episode is with Joey Peters, my friend and reporter. He's my friend who is a reporter, not my reporter. He's anyone's reporter, really. Um, Joey tackled some big stories down in Albuquerque and is now back home in Minnesota raking up some muck up here. There's a lot of muck everywhere, I guess. Um, that wouldn't seem to be the case in terms of geography. Anyway, I once ran into Joey up in New York City where he was at like a, a reporter convention for financial reporting. Um <laughs> I met up with him and he was a little drunk and I was bugging him and I called him a muckraker and he was like, no way, man, I'll rake that muck. I'll rake that muck. And I was like, oh, I guess it's not a bad thing. That's just what people whose muck is raked call people who find the muck. Okay, this intro has gotten a little bit uh, off the rails. Anyway, um, this interview was really fun. Uh, Joey's really nice and we talk about ghosts, um, ghost hunting, reporting, a whole bunch of other stuff, um, and we don't even talk about the Red Hot Chili Peppers that much, even though it's in the intro. Um, so if that scared you off, don't worry about it. We don't do no Red Hot Chili Pepper debates. Just kidding. I'm not going to play the Chili Peppers. Here is the, um, <laughs> the real theme. With Matt Schneeman? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Welcome to Your Eulogy with Matt Schneeman. Like that? Yeah. Okay, that would be our intro. Um, I start each episode by telling a joke. Here's one I wrote specifically for my guest, Joey Peters, um, uh, who is a journalist. So this um, this journalist, she dies. Um, uh, how do you want her to die? She like, falls off a house. I don't want anybody to die. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, unfortunately, <laughs> death, death happens. She had a heart attack. She had a heart attack, yeah. Um, she had those strange non-male symptoms that are finally getting um, addressed. Um, what are those? <laughs> well, apparently women have different uh, 
like can have different symptoms for heart attacks. So a lot of misdiagnosed heart attacks happen. I hear that on average women don't have heart attacks maybe until their 50s where men, it starts in the 40s. Yeah. I don't know, you know, how true that is, but... Um, <laughs> okay, so she had a heart attack. The symptoms are slightly different. They, they kind of got ignored because of the uh, male-based um, science for medical um, whatever. But so she has a heart attack, and she dies because nobody realized that she had been having heart attacks for the previous five years because of the uh, male-based paradigm of medical science. Okay. <laughs> she goes up to heaven. Um, and she's walking around asking people, they all say heaven's great. And she's okay, whatever. Um, and she starts to notice that in all of the houses and businesses and recreation facilities and stadiums in heaven, that none of them have any fire alarms. And she's like, oh shit, this is a story. This, uh. this is like mismanagement. So she goes over to, um, God, um, and she's like, Hey God, um, I've been noticing that there's no fire alarms in all of these buildings. And God is like, well, of course not. This is heaven. Like, we don't need them. And she's like, what do you mean? He's like, well, this is heaven. There's no fires. People don't die from fires. Like, nothing bad ever happens up here. And she goes, heaven? This is, <laughs> I thought I was in heaven. <laughs> this sounds like hell. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I would want, if I was in heaven, I would, and I was covering on assignment it'd be interesting to see who god has for their pr person and if they do pr statements up there like to the other um heaven attendants or to people to the journalists covering matters up there oh i see what you mean does god do they does god have pr people uh that he or she directs uh, journalists too when they're reporting on news up there or does God do the interviews himself that's good alright well then uh, let's have you take um, do a, a, a version of this joke so you have now the reporters going to try to investigate why there's no fire alarms yeah and um, she asked God why is there no fire alarms and God directs her to his PR people and uh, they ice her out and don't respond to any requests. And then she has to do a story that says, spokespeople for God declined to comment for this article. I don't know if that's, that's a joke to me. I don't know if that's a joke to the rest of, <laughs> the rest of you, but as <laughs> yeah. a journalist, that's a joke to me. Because that's happened a lot covering people in power or authority is they often don't want to talk to you or answer your questions and they'll have PR people whose sole job it seems is to basically ice you out and ignore you. Uh-huh. Um, so yeah. All right. Um, here's a pun. But I would, I want to say, I would hope that things are better. I would assume things are better up in heaven than that, than down here. Yeah. Yeah. On account of it being the uh, divine perfection <laughs> of what earth could be. Yeah. So yeah, so this this is the uh, the podcast we talk talk about death and stuff, um, and well, that sounds fun. Focusing on, <laughs> I mean, I I I did want to interview you because I thought maybe you would have some insights or um, interesting takes on how um, you deal with like death and 
uh, mortality with in in terms of like reporting like how do you talk about dead people um are there unwritten rules of of <clears throat> tact or whatnot well i once uh I mean, I haven't honestly covered death that much, but I once covered it in a way that uh, got some people offended. And that was we in Santa Fe, when I was in Santa Fe writing for a newspaper, um, this uh, famous chef in the community had hung himself. And, you know, and I, I was focused on breaking the story. Um, so so i pretty much got out there the bare bones fact that he had hung himself uh what i said apparent suicide because that's what the police had determined but they hadn't confirmed it completely mm. yet but they told me it looks like a suicide i wrote apparent suicide and friends of his got offended because that's all i focused on um and you know later on i updated the article talked to some of his friends learned what this person was like in real life and what may have led him to this. Uh, and I think, you know, and that was a more complete story that maybe uh, paid tribute to him more. Um, and maybe his friends appreciated that more. Um, so yeah, it's a, it's a delicate matter to cover for sure. I, I just heard that um, the phrase committed suicide is, um, incorrect. Um, yeah, I've heard that too. Yeah. And, Did and I say that? No, no, you said <laughs> attempted or apparent suicide. Apparent suicide. Yeah, because commit, from what I hear, it's, it's it implies the criminal nature. Yeah. Uh, which it is a crime, I think, on the books, right? But yeah, it, it, it kind of implies uh, they did a criminal act. Um, so it's, it's better to say, I don't know, suicide itself. I, <laughs> yeah. You tell me. Yeah, it's a weird one. Um, I could see why that's offensive. I mean, yeah. Mm -hmm. The other thing that's interesting about, I mean, that's the only time I've reported on suicide uh, because it's, it's very taboo to report on suicide in the media. Um, and there's kind of this unwritten rule that if they're not a public figure and this is how they went out, we don't, we don't say this. Um, and it's a very nuanced topic you know, because th there's still a lot of shame involved for the family and friends of people that, that do go and do this. And it is a very, you know, tragic thing. Um, but it's such a, it's so culturally taboo that it's kind of embedded in the media to not really say it. <laughs> if, does that make sense? Yeah. 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 I've, I've never really understood why, um, well, I mean, I understand why it's taboo and, and people don't like to talk if their, you know, loved one, you know, killed themselves. But to me, it's just like, it's such a sad and like massively tragic thing that social consideration kind of ends after it, you know? Yeah. Like, I just feel like I wouldn't be able to give a shit what people thought if, you know, like my brother killed himself. I would just be like, this fucking happened. You know, I guess to a lot of people, it just brings shame and embarrassment and they don't, there's kind of, like I said, this unwritten rule that we don't amplify that in the media. And I think that it is an issue. I mean, we should face it more head on to try to solve it, right? To try mm -hmm. to solve it. But, but then again, 
you know, when it happens, the next time it happens, you're not going to do it then, (laughs) if that makes sense. The next suicide that you're covering, you're not going to say, here's the time I'm going to come right out and say it. (laughs) Uh, And, you know, F the family, what they think. No, like it's, yeah, it's a hard thing. But when it's a public figure, you know, it's different. Like we'll we'll say it right away. Anthony Bourdain, like right away we said it because he's a public figure. We apply different standards. Yeah, that is funny how that happens, isn't it? That's kind of like the Gawker defense of like the Hulk Hogan thing was like we can dish like gossip on him because as a public figure you have different rules. And I agree with that in general. Although the way that Gawker went and did that was very sleazy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm not going to defend Gawker too much, but it was insane how that one dude was able to bankroll a um a lawsuit yeah um, to get them shut down <laughs> yeah no that and that was very troubling to me and many others in, in the industry um but that's something when you when it you know it goes to public opinion <laughs> and you publicize a sex tape a private sex tape like most of the public is gonna say of course that's wrong and then you have to explain, well, this is a little bit different. He's a public figure. And I think the main reason why you could argue that that was newsworthy is because he was saying racist comments in the in the video. And it ended up uh-huh. getting him uh, like suspended from WWE. And that was the true newsworthy thing that was in there, not not his, you know, uh, <laughs> his, you know, private parts being in there or like you know, graphic orientation of the video, but, but Gawker did choose to just kind of focus on the, on the, on the sex itself, which, which was sleazy in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. Though, I mean, Gawker, like that's, the, <laughs> that's the name. Anyway, let's talk about death. Cause that's, that's the, part yeah. Of all right. Let's uplift that, the that conversation was, a little good. bit with death. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, have you had it? experience or do you have anything to say about death um not really that's why i'm asking other people i've had a couple you know close you know encounters or some stuff um but i think i think it's it's a topic that and it's a it's a reality that's too big to really fully understand or or comprehend um on a daily basis so i think we but we still have that kind of fear um, waiting, and so it transforms into different elements in our lives. And that's why I think death is an interesting topic, not just because it's you know one of the biggest questions we'll ever have, but also because it kind of seeps into our behaviors in different ways, um, mm. through control, um, through um, distraction. Um, it's kind of the opposite of control. Yeah, I, I would say that a lot of friends that I have, when we talk about this conversation, they'll usually say that they don't think anything happens after death, that it's all, you know, blank or whatever. And that's kind of like the, I guess, accepted uh, secular intellectual thing to say these days. Um, but I think that, I don't know. I mean, I just think nobody's ever nobody's ever truly died and then come back, you know? So we can't say (laughs) for certain what happens and it remains a mystery. And, you know, 
A few months ago, I did a story where I, I followed a ghost hunter around. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. <laughs> and I asked him some of these questions and, uh, you know, and and I think like the people who are ghost hunters are, are they're all doing this on, uh, you know, as a hobby. Right. And, and it's kind of their curiosity with this same question that leads them to do this. So I asked, I asked the guy that I followed, like, what, what do you believe? You know, like, like, so we were at the mounds theater in East St. Paul, which, you know, they, they advertise and use it as part of their marketing that it's haunted. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and this was the, um, was this the, was this the native guy? Yes. So it's a little bit different than what I think people would imagine yes. with just like the, uh, yeah, all the TV shows, but maybe not fully. I don't know. Well, he, yeah. So yeah, he comes from that background and you know, one of the things he said was, um, the way that, that culture kind of informs him is that, um, if they find him and his, his wife or girlfriend that do this, um, if they find what they think is credible, uh, negative spirits or demons, as he was saying, in a house, they they use sage to kind of uh, cleanse the house of the evil spirits. And that came from, he was saying, I think from his mother. Yeah. Who did something like that. What tribe was he? You know, I can't remember, but it's up near Ely. Okay, so like a, a smaller it was part Chippewa, but I can't remember fully what exact. I mean, we could Google it. It's Dan Amitrano of Northland Paranormal, and then he's with the Boys Fort Band of Chippewa. Remember that tribe up in northern Minnesota. Yeah. <laughs> but, but yeah, yeah, so, so that was how that informed me. But other than that, you know, I asked him, like, do you, and not just you, but ghost hunters, I, and I don't think you like the term or use the term ghost hunters because there's a, uh, I guess, a segment of these people that like really seek out, like actually ghost hunt and like seek out for thrills. And he's saying like, we're not doing that. We're more respectful than that. Uh-huh. But uh, yeah, so I asked like, what do you, do you think like when people die, like why? So at this theater, there there's a story of... Uh, the projectionist his name is red who worked there like from the 20s through the 60s and had this obsession with one of the female um, moviegoers and he had a crush on her and he like jumped off the balcony once i don't know if it was for her or not he jumped off the balcony once and broke his leg uh so that's the legend of red and that today you know i spoke to one of the people that works there a female and she said uh red gropes her <laughs> as a ghost and will say <laughs> nasty things and stuff like that so he's kind of sexist um so i asked you know i asked the hunter the ghost hunter <laughs> um amitrano dan amitrano was his name i asked him uh so yeah when when people die do they just hang out where they used to live or what's the deal he said, well, some people believe that that's a choice that you have in the afterlife. Like you can just hang out at the place that you worked or lived if you like it. Uh, and then some people believe that not all spirits do this. Um, and really at the end of the day, we don't know. 
Huh. And he's saying what this is about, what what he's doing on his free time is more kind of this this uh, search for truth in a way. Um, and so that's kind of what, if you talk to ghost hunters, we'll say something like that is what why they're doing this. It's kind of curiosity for something that hasn't been explained that we really don't know. You know okay. We really can't fully explain it. That's why they're doing it. What was interesting about the mounds theater is that it's right by the, you know, the mounds of dead native Americans from centuries ago on East St. Paul. And there are some stories that in the basement, there's some spirits, demons, if you will, and that it could come from, from there, from the mounds or that some of the other, the good spirits too could come from the mounds that are buried over there. Um, and that might be why that place is supposedly haunted. Um, but yeah. So where were we getting at now? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, that, that sounds kind of like the, the old like racist trope of ancient Indian burial grounds. Uh-huh. Um, which, yeah, I, I still hear a fair amount, um, which is funny. I, I was just learning about um, voodoo and how in Haiti when they had the uprising um, you know a lot of white people got killed um, and talking about a slave, a slave enslaved people who up who rose up yeah 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 the back first in like kind of emancipation 18... before it happened here yeah 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 and and so like a lot of like white Europeans um, have a mysticism and uh weird association with different religions and that like voodoo is actually just like a normal religion (laughs) Uh um but you know we have this history of seeing people that we've oppressed with their religion and like we associate that religion with like this you know black magic type thing and like you know indian burial grounds um kind of feels like that yeah but uh what you were saying earlier um, was actually kind of tied into what I wanted to ask you. Okay. We said this guy um, was like looking for the truth. Um, and I was wondering if you have any uh, way you reconcile the impossibility of ever figuring out what happened with a career that um, seeks to do so. Uh, I don't think it's impossible. I mean, the, I guess one story I can think of that I did where it was impossible to really get at what happened was when I covered this high profile shooting in Albuquerque involved the, the death of a 17 year old black youth, um, that got, you know, it was a racially charged, uh, shooting, um, or at least the fallout became racially charged and the you know the shooter was white um the police so he shot him in the back and there was a video and the kid's name was jakees lewis who died and the police came out and said that jakees lewis was firing a gun himself into the crowd at people and that his uh the guy who killed him um, did it in self-defense and yeah, 
there was a video, but it wasn't, <laughs> I mean, you could see the guy shoot Jaquise in the video. You can't tell what Jaquise is doing in the video. And I spoke to several people who were there with Jaquise who said he never had a gun, never did this. And then some people who were with the other group who said he did have a gun and was shooting into the crowd. And there was, after a while, there was just no way to really get at what was the truth there. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) And in that case, I mean, what I focused on was just kind of the police investigation and all the flaws and biases in the police investigation of that. And, you know, how the, the, the man who killed Jaquise never went to jail, was never charged with anything, even though you could, you know, the uh, autopsy showed that the bullets were in the back as Jaquise was walking away. So, so yeah, that was, that was definitely a tough thing to cover. And after a while, um, I mean, I felt like I kind of exhausted everything I could to cover that story. And I came, you know, we came to the conclusion that like, we probably are never going to fit, you know, with, with the evidence we have, we're never really going to figure out whether Jaquise was shooting mm-hmm. into the crowd or not. Um, but most stories are not as, I mean, it, <laughs> usually in most stories, I'd say the truth is easier to arrive at than this one. Uh, so yeah, it, 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 <laughs> it does make sense. Um, I think it's what I have is a kind of a philosophical difference in, my understanding or my relationship with the idea of knowing something because I fundamentally don't really trust like anything <laughs> that has ever happened because it just seems so fleeting and um, especially when it has to do with like history. Um, and I think my philosophy is to just like embrace that inability to know um, and that will, you know. But I guess, yeah, like... W- when I, you know, in reporting, you're just kind of looking at things that happen that shouldn't be too hard to corroborate. Whereas you're talking about a greater philosophical truth of like, what is the meaning of the world? That's not really my job to get into, if you know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're, yeah, you're not Different a philosopher. Thing. You're, you know, you're, you're, you know, trying to keep the, the wheels turning on society so that we don't repeat, you know, previous errors. Yeah, which which I think is is perfect and true, and and I don't go around questioning everything I read. Um, I just don't want to get too attached with the idea that we can know what happened and and thus have control over life. Because every time we assert intellectual control, I feel that like spiritually and mentally weakens us. Um, in, in regards to having to deal with the fact that we're mortal beings. Um, in, yeah, I don't, I don't Yeah, I don't think we have control. Um, I guess getting back to my, the, you know, the point I was trying to make earlier about people saying like, this is what happens when you die, nothing. <laughs> <laughs> and you know why? Because I'm smart. And I'm a man of science, and this is what science says, and blah, blah, blah. And science doesn't say that, actually. I'm reading this book right now about aliens. 
Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Alien Abduction Experiences, written in the 90s by John E. Mack, uh, who was a psychiatrist at, who taught at Harvard, you know, medical doctor. And uh, yeah, at one point in his career, and it got really controversial, he started, uh, he started treating patients who said they had been abducted Mm -hmm. and he approached it in a way where he said, I'm going to show compassion to these people and we're going to assume that this experience was real to them. And we're going to have them basically go back and experience this head on and, um, and really, uh, instead of repressing what had happened to them, we're going to face it. And that's how they're going to, you know, become better, you know, really cope with this. That doesn't mean that these alien abductions actually happened, but it means that these experiences were a form of consciousness that we can't quite understand yet. And that our scientific models, don't completely explain. And too often he had said that, uh, you know, psychiatrists, scientists would, would put these experiences as a form of schizophrenia or as a form of something, something put them into a box that already exists when they didn't really, these patients didn't really exhibit, uh, anything else that would, you know, put them as schizophrenic or, or, um, you know, psychotic or whatever. It was very controversial the way he approached mm. it, but I thought, I mean, I think that's just kind of an example of like, let's admit when our models don't completely explain something, let's admit it. Let's not try to force our models onto something because that in itself is a form of dogmatism. And, and yeah, and then his idea was like, let's have these patients face their experiences head on because that's the best way for them to cope and his results. And I don't know if he (laughs) bent his results his way either. I mean, he did have a lot of scrutiny, but his results showed that when these patients faced it head on, they would, they're able to overcome some things. All right, so you wanted me to write a eulogy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, so here it is. Through the years, Joey Peters has roosted in the hen house and wallowed in the pigsty. He walked his dog many times a day, and then he picked up the dog waste when he had to. He fed his dog twice a day. He then made coffee in his percolator because his coffee machine was cheap and didn't make great coffee. Then he sometimes made eggs for breakfast so that's my eulogy and i because i wasn't gonna write anything super serious and sometimes it's the minutiae you know of the day that is the most important thing right i i agree i thought that was beautiful and Um, i gotta say i lifted that first line from something and i want you to try to guess i was gonna (laughs) ask you about it because it sounds a bit more uh uh libidious (laughs) <laughs> um, libidinous than you normally, you know, roosting in the hen house. <laughs> I don't think you'll ever guess where it came from. Um, I'm just going to guess like something like Hunter S. Thompson. 
No, it came from the liner notes of the Red Hot Chili Peppers. <laughs> <laughs> um, so this has been your eulogy. Um, my name is Matthew Schneeman. I produced uh, and edited and did the music for this. Uh, thanks again to Joey Peters, um, the journalist and friend, um, for coming on. <laughs>